The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Time to close out with a song. And of course, these music videos are a part of the series in conjunction with. The summer of 82 at 40. Our second person on the roster for this music video thing this summer, one of the hosts of Halloweenies, the Windy City Double Features, and Cheap Tracks, and the programmer of Music Box Horse Drive-In. You also know all about the Rock Island Public House and its drive-in because of him. And he knows loads of great music and movie-related stuff all the time here. Mike Vanderbilt. Thank you for having me, Brandon. Pleasure to be back. Yes. Uh, this was the quickest turnaround between shows. Yes. So this is exciting. This is fun. Yes. Uh, this is Yeah, we didn't wait a year or almost oh, yeah. a year. Was it? Yeah, it was something like that. But yeah, we're... Back. Thank you for thinking of me for this project because I, uh, at 42 years old, I did grow up with music videos. We got cable in 87 mm-hmm. and uh, from then, that 87, 88. And from then on, like one, one TV in the house was always on MTV or VH1. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so summer of 82, you were probably, do you have any memories? Uh, being, no, so probably... um, I don't. My earliest memory that I can like chalk up like to a timeline thing is 83 and going to see return of the jedi okay gotcha so i'm not quite there yet gotcha do, uh, do you have anything looking back on it what do you think of it, summer of 82 at all being older looking back at it? any favorites oh, from there of course like, this... <clears throat> like, I, I suppose but what album comes out in 82 for cheap trick let me think 82 is one-on-one which is a great record that came out in april of 82 okay oh i'm gonna I'm going to double check my facts on that one. Because mm-hmm. if, I, if the host did a cheap trick podcast, <laughs> uh, can't get his facts right. I always can. I always conflate one on one with next position, please, because gotcha. they come out like within a year of each other. And I'm pretty sure one on one is 1982. Yes, I was right. Produced by right. Thomas Baker. Um, well, 82 is the you know famously known as being a great year for film mm-hmm. uh one of my absolute favorites poltergeist yeah comes out in 82 and it's the summer uh, that changed summer movies really is, is it 82 that does it 82 that die 82 is the one where things turn i mean et dominates but that is looked at as thing but you get star trek to the wrath of khan conan the barbarian rocky three mad max and that's just within the period of like four weeks too you get tons right. of tron uh um, the thing the thing uh blade runner uh you get Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I do uh, enjoy that. That's a great movie. I like that movie. Yeah. Jason got his hockey mask that summer. So that's right. August, uh, August uh, eighty-two. Right. That's uh, when Friday the Thirteenth Part Three comes out. One right. of my favorites in the series. All right. Fast times were had at Ridgemont High that summer. One of the last American Virgins became, you know, uh, another old, one yeah. that's playing. Uh, they're screening that out in L.A. this week. The Last American Virgin, one of the all-time great. 
downer endings. Oh right? yeah, but it's real. It's real. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, yeah, it's the summer. Great soundtrack that just on that one, including uh, the. That was an expensive soundtrack on that one because you put. Yeah, they put I don't already they, hits on it. I don't know how they got all those. All those bands had. I don't know how that movie afforded it. Not to spoil. Well, people won't hear that episode till months ah. from now. But they spent as much. Word has it they spent as much on the soundtrack as they did the whole movie. And it's back when a soundtrack could sell the movie too. Mm-hmm. It was. It was the. It was starting to. You know, because Saturday Night Fever really kind of pushed that. And then for teens and stuff, they're like, hey, you know what the kids like? Yeah, because you music. Last Last American Virgin, Fast Times, Ridgemont High soundtracks. Boom, boom. Yeah. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of soundtrack stuff, uh, even forgotten movies that had killer soundtracks uh, this summer um, in here. But uh, today, this isn't a soundtrack song, uh, but this is one that will top the charts for week after week after week. Uh, it's Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. They collaborate for Ebony and Ivory from McCartney's third solo album, Tug of War. Uh, the album later dropped singles Take It Away and the title track, Tug of War. Ebony and, Ivory, Ebony and Ivory was one of the top-selling singles of 1982. It spent seven weeks on the Hot 100, the fourth biggest hit of the year. Uh, lo- third, if we take out Olivia Newton-John's holdover of Physical from 81, uh, the longest chart run of any of McCartney's post-Beatles works, and second for his career to Hey Jude, McCartney's 28th number one song. It's a big deal. It was Grammy nominated for Song of the Year. Do you know what it lost to? Oh, that's a good question. 1982, what was it? It was just nominated for Song of the Year. It would have lost to, oh God, I, I don't even know. Hall and uh, Oates? Willie Nelson, Always On My Mind. That's 82, huh? Yeah. Now that's, <laughs> I, I, sometimes music, well, especially with the Grammys, it's weird yep. with, when, when you think about what wins Grammys versus what's remembered. And it's rarely whatever wins a Grammy for, not that that's mm-hmm. not a great song, but you do not associate that with 1982, right? Uh, always on my mind by Willie Nelson. It all, yeah, it lost record of the year, best pop vocal performance duo or, uh, or a group. Uh, yeah, three nominations all gone. Uh, and Tug of War itself was nominated for album of the year, and it lost to Toto Four, which uh, Toto Four, my favorite bit of the Voyage about- Home. <laughs> no, my, just- my favorite bit of trivia about Toto Four is that when that album comes out, they can't hit the top of the charts because they're competing with Michael Jackson's thriller, which most of Toto plays on. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did themselves, but they were cashing the checks. I mean, they got, they, they cashed the checks. Steve Lukather made this money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this song, Ebony Avery got banned in the apartheid era in South Africa or apartheid when wonder dedicated his Oscar for best original song to Nelson Mandela. So he won an Oscar for some other song and they he banned won it for, uh, didn't he win it for, uh, I just called to say, I love you. I think so. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting enough. Uh, McCartney's first duet with another artist. This would lead to him. I doing... can't believe it took him that long, but it's interesting that it, how much it influenced the rest of his career or at right. least that early half throughout the eighties. Yeah. Cause if Michael Jackson hit like he would, yeah, he would do yeah, that. They, well, <laughs> That didn't necessarily work out as well for mm-hmm. for uh, uh, Paul McCartney, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson did a couple duets. They did, what, The Girl Is Mine, mm-hmm. and they did Say, 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 and uh, both on the Thriller record, I believe. At least one of them is. The Girl Is Mine is on the Thriller record for sure. Mm-hmm. And Paul McCartney recommended that Michael Jackson look into buying publishing rights for music, and Michael <laughs> Jackson went and bought the Beatles catalog. That's right. 
they ain't that about a bitch. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they talked after. I think that was it. I think that was over for him. I mean, that's bad for him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nice idea. I own you. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. a scumbag move. So, uh, yeah, the song's about keys on a piano, but psst, think again. It's about racial harmony, too. Oh, man. Yeah, this, I mean, I, this, this song, I mean, pure, well-intended cheese. Yes. But so disappointing coming from McCartney and Wonder, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, you sometimes. Know, two great yeah. artists, and I mean, I think McCartney, but it's all McCartney. I don't think even Stevie Wonder even had a hand in writing this. Oh, yeah. I don't even, I don't think Stevie Wonder plays on it. I think he just sings on it. But like, but of course, that's, that's the curse of McCartney, I guess, is that, I, I mean, I love his stuff with the Beatles. I like a lot of I like his stuff with Wings. I like mm-hmm. a lot of his solo stuff. I like a lot of his later stuff after this. But when he was saccharine, he was ultra saccharine, particularly during this era. But that's also what was selling, obviously, mm-hmm. because we're still talking about this 40 years later, right? Yeah. I mean, Harrison would have a huge hit in the 80s with Got My Mind Set on You, which is nothing like his, you know, you know his output right. from the 70s, but that's his top, top damn song solo, but... Uh yeah uh there, there's interesting yeah speak that uh, some interesting stuff with the video talk about wonder never you know writing this song but it's uh directed by Keith just Keith just Keith 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 uh and not to be confused with the righteous gemstones not and that. not to be confused with Keith Richards yes the vi- he did videos he or she I don't know what a Keith is but did videos for Blondie Kate Bush Wings so that's where he knew McCartney. Motorhead, Foreigner, Pat Benatar, Culture Club, and some documentaries along the way. So, like, this video... You know, we got to mention, oh, though, yeah. it's one of two videos. Mm. There was another video shot, and it was shot by Barry Myers, and it was shot... They actually had the date listed online, February 11th, 1982. Okay. It's, it's McCartney just performing at a piano, but he's it's intercut with, like, a, a not actual footage, but of a black man in a prison. Okay. And at one point, he shows up, and literally pets Paul on the back, like, thanks, Paul. Yeah. Thanks for solving racial inequality. Yeah, you it's, did it. It's, 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 it, like I said, again, well intended, but totally tone deaf. Uh, watch it. So they, the, the video, just a rundown for folks, they play together, like, at a piano. There's big piano keys they talk on. They're just in different areas. There's a window blowing, but I don't think they were ever in the same room at the same time during this. There's some weird stuff that visually, like when they're sitting at the piano together, they're like floating at different ways. And I know the background's fake, but I don't think they're in the video at all together. And it's interesting. I forget about Stevie Wonder's Afro phase. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I remember him as, you know, little Stevie Wonder, you know, with kind of that clean cut kind of 60s soul singer look. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, Famously, the braids throughout the braids. The yeah, this must have like, been the last stand of it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I picture when I picture Stevie Wonder. So I forget about this phase in his uh, in his style evolution. I had been reminded of it because I I watched a few months ago when uh, it came on Hulu, The Summer of Soul, which is an excellent documentary. Yes, it is. Uh, jam and concert. It's a great concert film slash documentary, and Stevie Wonder's all over that. Like, it's uh, his hair's not quite as big in that, but is it? I can't remember. But I remember it's like, oh yeah, Stevie looked like that. But yeah, I, I it's, it's funny they I swear they never truly appear here because it's a lot of video effects in the movie, 
and they both stand apart from each other. And you got I think I mean, I'm sure your 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 listeners know this. I mean, this is worth noting that. So this comes out and what do we say March is some single on March 29th, 82. The album comes out in April 26, 82. Mm-hmm. Like this is music videos are still new. Yeah, this is MTV yeah. had just launched in 81. Now, people right. were shooting videos before that because it would stuff that would air on late night television mm-hmm. or you'd see it at movie theaters. You see a lot of clips uh, with uh, off a of Cheap Tricks Dream Police record where they did uh, like a series of videos. And it was usually just a band in a studio. Same thing with Meatloaf with Bad Out of Hell in 77. It would just be the band on a stage in a studio with some lights and some fog without you didn't have a lot of that storytelling that would eventually come in that we'll talk about in some other videos mm-hmm. in this series yeah nobody knew what they were doing well they they did but they didn't know what was popular what people liked like bands and people were like i'll go do this damn thing like they weren't even well, into yeah, it at the time yeah a lot of bands didn't want to do it but i gotta say and i suppose this is a credit to mccartney this video for as much as i'm kind of you know shitting on it for being cheese and saccharine and mm-hmm. oh my god eye rolling and i think it was i think it's one of those things it's not looking back on it 40 years later that makes it eye rolling i think this always was kind of eye rolling eye roll inducing is that it is very forward thinking in terms of using special effects even if they're very kind of low rent like television grade special Mm. effects not movie special effects this is also the same year like you said of et and star trek 2 yeah terrific (laughs) and blade run which have terrific special effects yeah much bigger budgets though right Uh, well and yeah, like the also the thing too, like McCartney, no stranger. Vi- Beatles were making music videos before people were making vi- music videos. They were, sure. you know, in the seventies, we did sixties. They were they were sending stuff so they wouldn't have to go play live at a, like Ed Sullivan or something like that. But this this song, this <laughs> if you're a teen kid in nineteen eighty two, that you're probably not listening. This is probably your parents and little kids jamming to ebony and ivory i don't know if you're a teen if you're like oh yeah it's my jam or that that might be your parents music you know though, but at I the time see, you know you got to think about it this way sometimes when stuff like this is of the moment because mm-hmm. uh, i've been victim of that where it's of the moment like something like uh the Satan- santana duets record that was all over radio with rob thomas oh supernatural like, yeah like, supernatural yeah like I, I mean, I contend it's still a good record, but like yeah. you listen to it now and it's like, that's just cast for milk. Those kind of stuff. Radio ready. But that's you, the one he caught, got album of the year for. <laughs> yeah. And you're caught and you're caught up in the moment. Like you go out and buy that record because mm-hmm. everybody is listening to that record, even if it's only for that seven week period. Right. right. Yeah. But and you kind of forget about it. You know, like uh, I'm currently listening to a book about Hootie and the Blowfish and like there was a time when they were the biggest fucking band yeah. in America, if not the world. And you kind of don't hear anybody really talk about them anymore. No, despite they, we got Zucker sick of them a, after a year. <laughs> like, despite the, yeah, because the second record didn't do as well. But despite their, their record having a long running solo career, you just don't hear people. You hear more people talk about, uh, I don't know, well, obviously like Pearl Jam. I guess, right. But, and there's, but they're still out there doing it. That's, well, I mean, really if you remember, but like... We we have we have a band. Uh, I don't want to spoil it here, but that we're going to talk about in a few weeks. That um, they were on top of the world and then immediately almost gone. And not to say they weren't still making albums. Uh, and then like someone like well, like Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, they were humongous. They were on t- they were the biggest band on the planet. Couldn't escape it. And then 
a door came out, it was different. It still sold copies, but way le- they went from like millions of copies to scratching the surface of barely crossing a million. Like In- invest your money. Don't buy the don't buy the Ferrari. I don't buy the Ferrari. The, yeah, that's the rule. Um, Paul yeah, McCartney didn't have to worry about that, but <laughs> no. Well, well, that's just it. Like, and also kudos to somebody like McCartney. Like he could have rested on his laurels and been done after the Beatles, but a true artist, he's he's continued to make music. And like it, it would be easy to disqualify him, calling him like just a nostalgia act. Like, yes, when you go see him in concert, he's going to play you the hits. Mm-hmm. But he's still out there recording records and writing right. new tunes. And uh, a great Stern guest as well. Always mm-hmm. a pretty good interview on Stern. Uh, although still smarmy and smug as they come. Yeah. I will say, though, too, I was trying to place where he was. And one one factor here is this is maybe a year and a half after Lennon is killed yeah for him December of 1980 yeah so it's, it's kind of interesting like he, he goes in this duets direction which <laughs> I don't know is he like well I need to start working with people while they're still here or something I don't know if that's in his mind well, I, I think I, I I think I see it as him trying to retain his youthful appeal okay. I think that Paul McCartney I think all the Beatles were very savvy I think so I think as far as music goes, I should be a Paul guy because I love pop music so much. Right. But I'm actually more of a Lennon guy when it comes to solo material. Right. His stuff's got a little bit more of that rock and roll edge. But I think yep. my favorite Beatle is Ringo because he's always so much fun when he's on Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of seems like a good dude, you know, with all that peace and love, peace and love. He was my favorite in the Get Back documentary because you watch that documentary. I had the most respect for him. He patiently sat there. And he listened to everyone. He watched the situation. And then he'd figure it out. And he'd be like, okay, I'm going to go help you with this. You got this. And then whenever he spoke, the room went silent. And it was funny because there's this scene where they're bitching about, like, we should play. I don't know. We should play on the roof. Play on the roof. What do you think, Ringo? He goes, well, I would like to play on the roof. And then they go play on the roof. Well, I was like, brilliant. I think more people need to take that. So, you know, uh, I have obviously I've been I've been in bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am part of the Halloweenies podcast, which is essentially five of us. I'm part of the Music Box Horrors team, which is four of us. And I think sometimes people, I tend to sit silent in meetings. That's that same Ringo thing. because I like to take in what everybody's saying, because if you're constantly talking, it's easier for people to not listen to you. Right. Uh, but when you take everything in, you, you, you think about it, you, you, you internalize. And then when you, you know, what is it like? Walk softly, carry a big stick. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I have I have a lot of respect for Ringo. Ringo Ringo has quickly become my favorite my favorite Beatle. I think. Well, so funny they all four like more talented than anybody else. But like you know we gotta gotta rank them Beatles. I'm like, it's like the Beatles and then most everybody else in the world. Like all well, four. Well, I mean, I, w- I went through that phase in high school. I was like, ah, piss on the Beatles. Until you realize, with like particularly with my favorite band, Cheap Trick that most everything they did was influenced by the Beatles. Well, and I love I love the fact, I mean, that window of their brilliance is so small. So small. Like, they didn't even go for, like, really a decade. Like, it was, right, right. It was, like, right. seven years of brilliance and done. And then Paul comes out with Ebony and fucking Ivory. Uh, I will say, <laughs> so, uh, here's, oh, here's a little, here's a fun little bit of trivia about yeah. that, though, that I found. So it's recorded at George Martin's Air Studios in Montserrat. Okay, that's where, that is where Cheap Trick recorded "All Shook Up" with George Martin. Oh, there in you 1980, go. Uh, which does not sound at all like you'd expect the record 
to speaking of the Beatles, it's not what you expect a Beatle, uh, cheap trick record sound to be recorded by George Martin to sound like, okay. but it is in my, in my opinion, the album, if you listen to album, that's what George Martin thinks the Beatles would have ended up sounding like had they continued. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And if, if there's one good thing about the Ebony and Ivory video that okay. it gave us, it gave us that sketch on Saturday Night Live. Oh, with Joe Piscopo as Frank Sinatra and Eddie Murphy as Stevie Wonder. That's right. I, that's right. You are black. You, <laughs> I am white. You're as blind as a bat, and I have sights. <laughs> oh, good moments for Pis- Piscopo there. Uh, Piscopo and Murphy were unstoppable. Okay. That's, you know, it's funny, like, that's the one era of Saturday Night Live that I never hear everybody go, it was better back when it's like the skipped over one. Because that's the thing with Saturday Night Live. It's the previous cast or when I grew up was always better. Nobody talks about that one. They might yeah, talk about how great Murphy was. That's it. But that's it. I'm like. And, and that cast is like, I I do have a certain affinity for that because uh, I didn't necessarily grow up with that. Like my. I always say your favorite SNL is whatever one you saw when you were 11, right? Yeah. So for me, my Saturday Night Live era is that Mike Myers, Chris Farley era just before Will Ferrell. Back when we laughed at Dennis Miller. That's great. Yeah, uh, Dennis Miller, like I'll always have a soft spot. Yeah. Despite the fact I think he's kind of lost his touch. 9-11 changed that man for life. It really did. What a weird turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used to like his HBO show, too. And he was funny on Monday Night Football. Like it was the yeah, weirdest I, it, I remember that when that was a thing. Like mm-hmm. what an odd, what an odd publicity stunt that was, right? Yeah, right they just catchy. they didn't want humor with their football on Monday nights. Apparently, so no. very humorless, <laughs> very humorless group of people watching Monday Night Football. Yes. but I do have a certain love for that era, just because I would watch the one-hour recuts of Saturday Night Live on Comedy Central growing yep. up, and that era was on a lot. And I, I mean, look, man. Charles Rocket, <laughs> yeah, Robert Downey Jr., Julia Louise Dreyfus, like uh, who Stone Cold Fox, yeah, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, uh, uh, who else? Billy Crystal's on there for a yeah, minute. yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Who famously got cut from the first season? Do you know this story? Was he cut? He was going to do stand up on the old Saturday Night Live, like when it first. Oh, started, that's okay. I think I'd heard something about that. Yeah, now you say, and he got cut for time. Hmm. <laughs> Ain't that about a bitch? Yeah. Hope it turned out well for him, though. I hope it did. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, we were talking about Billy Crystal on the Playboy podcast, and uh, mm-hmm. I was realizing, like, I can't name, like, I can't name a favorite Billy Crystal movie that's my favorite Billy Crystal movie because of Billy Crystal. Like, I love Running Scared. Yeah. Running Scared is just great because it's a buddy cop comedy set in mm-hmm. Chicago. Right. Peter Hyams is the star of Running Scared. Right. You know, even City Slickers, like, you watch that movie for Jack Palance. Yep. Like, I, I, I mean, when Harry Met Sally is like the whole thing, the writing's important there. Like Meg Ryan's like, he's part of it, but like, yeah. he, like nobody remembers him because you have Meg Ryan faking an orgasm. Exactly. Like, Deli. like Billy Crystal is like the most cast for milk. Dust. One of the worst movies I've ever, he's, he is in, he is the star of one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Have you ever seen rabbit test? No, no, no. It was directed by, it was, uh, I believe, her only directorial effort from uh, Joan Rivers. Oh. And it stars Billy Crystal as a pregnant man. Ooh. And it's this 
awful broad borscht belt humor mm. and a lot of people that they talk about it, oh they'll never release that movie because it's so offensive it's like no it's really not at all offensive it's just fucking bad just bad that's how offensive it is it's just bad. It, it offends my sense of taste like i love i love offensive humor i love provocative humor yeah rabbit test does not have that Ooh, I remember I saw one with him. I was forget Paris where he played like the NBA referee. Yeah, uh, I forgot I, all about that movie. I can't, I can't tell you anything about it other than I remember the posters, him and someone hugging. I can't remember his co-star. Well, that's the kind of movie like that's like I, I, I don't have the definition of it like truly defined yet. But like those first date movies, like mm-hmm. it's a movie you like in high school or college. You went to see it on a date because that's all that was playing that weekend. And mm-hmm. you never thought about that movie ever again. Right. It was it ran its course. It went it was out for three weeks. It got middling reviews. And then nobody ever thought about it again. It's the kind of movie they just don't make anymore. And I miss I you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I sort of miss those movies. I do. Now I'm like, oh man, we need that like super average, like not bad, but super no one average can... adult comedy. Comedy, yeah. Yep. So we're missing, but um, yeah. So yeah, there's a. I mean, there's not much to talk about with Ebony and Ivory here, obviously, because it's just what it is. It's kind of like a early version of a mall video that I like to call them, where like you go into like a clothing store and there's that one on the TV, and there's just nothing to it. But you're like, I guess I'm well, in style because that's a hip video playing you at could, my you place. You could go stand. You could go stand and like, or the kind of video that, that you could do, you could make at the mall where right. you could stand in front of the chroma key instead of in front of the blue screen or the green screen and they'll add a bunch of cool stuff floating behind right you. yes yes there you and go it has that same music quality to it like mm-hmm. the funny thing is you know paul mccartney doesn't even play bass on this stanley clark does oh wow yeah he plays everything else on that record yeah gotcha. it's a fine record the b-side was rain clouds which is a little bit more of a a typical paul mccartney tune mm-hmm. uh but still kind of forgettable gotcha um my, my one funny note about this though is if if they did not film this together if there's i think it's funny that there's there's nothing like a song about racial harmony when the black guy and the white guy can't play in the same room together <laughs> like, i don't i don't know if i want him around i don't know no uh you gonna come over here no stevie he's over there don't yep he's over there stevie don't worry don't worry he's over there and when i got to the studio i couldn't believe stevie wasn't there yeah yeah, so, all right, Mike. Well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, you'll be back in a couple weeks, Mike, but until then... Looking uh, forward to it. Let people know where they can keep up with you. You can track me down on Twitter at Mike Vanderbilt. Track me down on Instagram at M.A. Vanderbilt. And, of course, please tune in to the Halloweenies. Revealing play, uh, Centerfold, Revealing Culture Through Playboy Magazine. We have a new episode coming out shortly. I don't even know when we're... When are you running these? <laughs> uh, running these? Well, <laughs> well, for us right now, it is... Friday the thirteenth, May Friday, okay. th- May thirteenth. Oh, Friday May thirteenth. Oh yeah, yes. Then yeah, check out our new episode of Centerfold, and of course, check out Cheap Tracks and Windy City Double Feature. All right. Also, uh, oh, I'll put one more plug in. Uh, I don't know if you all, I don't know if your listeners are familiar. Are you familiar with the nationally uh, televised television program uh, Sven Gulli? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. The horror host. Yeah. There. Are you familiar that there's a spinoff called Sven Tooney? No. It's hosted by a tuna fish puppet dressed like Sven Gulli. No, it airs after Sven. It airs after Sven Gulli Saturday nights. Well, I'm going to be on it. Oh, I just don't know when because the date keeps getting changed. But it'll All be right. Saturday night in May. So tune in to Me TV if you are so inclined. All right, excellent. Yes, 
do tune in and tune in next week. Um, well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Brandon4QHD. You know that every week, but I still remind you. Um, Scott and I are back Monday, and we're going to be talking about uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and uh, The Road Warrior. It's kind of a cool movie. Uh, so that's awesome. So uh, until next time, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The Summer of 82 at 40 and News of the Moment themes by Press Maxson. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. Show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.